Hello everyone and welcome back to Give Me a Break podcast. This is your host, Morgan Beckman. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm very excited about this episode. Um, If you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, I want to encourage you to do that. And uh, it's funny, a lot of you came up to me uh, like at church or, you know, wherever, messaged me. And you were like, I'm so glad you're okay and all this stuff. And uh, again, I just, I felt very supported, very, um, yeah, just felt a lot of support from you guys. And I'm very glad that I'm home and never traveling by myself again. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and listen to last week's episode and you will know exactly what I'm talking about. So... Yeah, like nothing really crazy happened to me this week. Praise the Lord. Um, so we're going to get right in to the questions because I have, I think, like eight questions that I'm wanting to answer. So thank you so much, everyone, for submitting your questions. And you can always do that through my Instagram. There's a link in my bio to a link tree and then there's like a little thing you'll click and you'll anonymously submit your questions to me and uh, it's like a google google form so it's uh it's legit and it's great so first question what is your guilty pleasure song or music artist oh gosh uh i cannot pick a song i don't think I mean, because, like, the whole reason for something being a guilty pleasure is that, like, you shouldn't like it, but you do. And there's so many ways that can be interpreted. Um, I'd say guilty pleasure is probably, like, Pitbull or something. Um, <laughs> like, some of his old songs were really good. And... Um, none of them are sanctified or glorifying to God, but I don't know, like, they kind of hype me up a little bit. I mean, I have this playlist on my phone called Songs That Make Me Feel So Swag. I don't know why I named it that, but I did. And the interesting, um, diversity of those songs is... Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. So, I'd say Pitbull. I think I, I mean, like, I love Taylor Swift. And the older I've gotten, the more I've loved her. And I'm not saying that's, like, a guilty pleasure. But I think I like her more than I probably should, if that makes any sense. Like, I'm just kind of obsessed with her. Um, Okay, wait, wait, wait. I do have one. Sabrina Carpenter, she just put out an album called Emails I Can't Send, I think is what it's called. Um, the whole album is pretty good, honestly. Like, I I really like it. Um, but again, probably shouldn't be listening to it, but it's, as a songwriter, it's kind of inspiring and just fun to listen to. So yeah, I'm not going to stay on this question for too long because, oh, there's so many. I mean, there's... I really love, I love rap music, like, hip-hop, rap, like, I've always loved that genre. Uh, Yeah, and it's not, most of the songs are not good, so, 
we're just gonna leave that there. Next question <laughs> is like a complete three was it one eighty, not three sixty. One eighty from the first question. <laughs> this is funny. Um the question isn't funny, it's just funny that I'm talking about guilty pleasure songs and stuff, and then now I'm talking about this question. It says, I need more Christian friends. What should I look for in a good friend? Okay. So, I would say off the dome, you should definitely look for someone who spends time with the Lord, who actually spends time with the Lord. Not a friend that just goes to church and kind of plays the part. Because, you know, you're saying like you need more Christian friends. I think what makes you a Christian? Oh, having a relationship with Jesus. Well, what do you do when you have a relationship with someone? You spend time with them. You talk to them. You read their their words they say. or You know what I'm saying? Like, So it's the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. If we're just saying that we're a Christian, but we're not actually following the Lord and we're not actually spending time with Him, then we're, are we really Christians? Like, I don't know. Like, it, that can become a touchy subject. I won't I won't touch on that today, but I do think that, you know, Christian friends, like, if you're looking for that, then you look for someone who's actually a Christian, like, that's a good start, someone who loves the Lord, um, a good friend is someone who's honest with you, but also someone who has grace for you, and those are very hard to find, like, I feel like when you're in high school, and even middle school and like whatever, you really start to, um, like you have a lot of friends, but the older you get, you start to realize who your real friends are. And I'll tell you this, you know who your real friends are when your life hits the fan, when you, uh, something good happens to you. I think, too, like, you know, I feel like when me and Ty bought our house, like, we kind of felt like some people were just, like, not happy for us, and it was really weird. It's a weird thing to, like, articulate, Um, and it just, it does, like, when when a big life-changing thing happens to you, whether it's good or bad, like, that's kind of really when you know when, uh, who your real friends are, so, um, yeah, I would say... A good friend's hard to find, but you know you have one when you do, if that makes any sense. But the first thing to look for is, are they a Christ follower? Do they do they love Jesus? Do they spend time with the Lord? Or are they just at church serving, trying to look like they have a relationship with Jesus? And that is, that'll step on some toes. They'll step on my toes, too, sometimes. Um, so, yeah. Next question. Also, am I going to, like, kind of a weird mood? Like a silly, goofy mood. Um, so I'm sorry if that like translates into the tone of my voice. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I kind of love my life right now. So we're just going to take advantage of that. How do I love people but also give them truth? Oh my goodness. Um, it's, a, it's a very, it's kind of a loaded question. It's a lot I could say here. And also, if you're new here, I literally read these questions right before, like, 
I'm reading them as we go here. Like, I did not pre-read these, so uh, that's why it might take me a little longer to um, come up with a response. How do I love people but also give them truth? Honestly, I feel like there's not really like a black and white answer to this. I do think, though, that Jesus really did this perfectly because obviously he's perfect but he showed us how to do this in different ways um throughout the bible throughout his ministry you know it's I I think a lot of times people will use the story of the woman caught in adultery and how the pharisees were wanting Jesus to like tell them to stone her because that's what the law said the truth the truth said if someone is caught in the act of adultery, they are to be stoned and killed. And also, that is a terrible way to die. Like, I think we have, like, that that whole, like, idea is just talked about a lot in church. Because, like, that's, like, what they talked about in the Bible a lot. But could you imagine, like, oh, my Lord, that is just gruesome. That's terrible. But it's what the law said. It's literally what the law said. But... The way Jesus handled that situation is really like, I I think about that a lot when I find myself feeling self-righteous or feeling like I'm, you know, I know better than everyone or that I'm right in this situation. I know the truth, but man, if there's not love, if there's not grace within that, then we're no better than the Pharisees. And that's literally like the opposite of Jesus, but you know, he came to fulfill the law. So it's not that the law isn't there. It's not that the truth isn't there. Because I think a lot of times we've gotten so confused lately about what is truth and that love and truth can't be in the same conversation. And I just don't think that that's true. Um, It's not true, actually. Uh, It's not even what I think. It's not true. Love and truth can go together. We we saw Jesus do it. And I've seen people do it in my life. People that that I know they love me. And I can tell they love me by what they're telling me. Because honestly, when you're having a hard conversation with someone. And you are giving them truth. If it's not hurting you. But if it's like making you nervous and you're really feeling the weight of the conversation, that's when you know that you love this person because you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to offend them in a way that makes them not listen to you. Now, if if you do all these things, if you are loving this person, you have a relationship with this person, you've invested that like relational equity with them, and you're having a loving conversation about truth, a truth that they need to know or whatever, and they still walk away from that, being offended and, you know, starting to hate you and all that, then honestly, you probably didn't need them in your life anyway. And if it's family, then a lot of times time can heal that wound. But I think that the enemy has just planted so much fear into us having conversations with people. And and I'm not saying that we need to be on some street corner, like telling people 
you know, they're going to hell or telling people this and that. Like, I, not to say that that's never worked ever, but I just don't think that that's the right approach. I think, I think there has to be some kind of equity there. There's got to be some kind of relationship, some kind of bridge there so that it can really bear that weight of, of the truth. It can, it can, um, you can communicate to that person and them not just think you're coming at them with truth, but they feel the love. Cause I mean, it's the same thing. Like even with Jesus, you know, the truth of the gospel, you know, it's grace and truth. So the truth is that we are dead in our sin, that we are separated from God. But the grace of that is also in the truth that he sent Jesus to to be our sacrifice so that we can have eternity with, with him. Like there's grace and truth, but people don't handle that news very well if they don't understand the love behind it. I did not care about the gospel, to be honest, until I realized what it really meant and the love that that God has for me so much that he would send his son to die for me so that we wouldn't have to be separated. And I can go into a whole theological discussion about that. I won't do that tonight because that's not what the question is. But I think the first place you need to look is in Scripture, specifically in the New Testament. Um, You can look in the Old Testament too, but in the New Testament with Jesus and how he handled a lot of these conversations because the Pharisees were trying to corner him. They were trying to make him slip up because they were just, they were the worst. Oh my gosh. So let's just not be like the Pharisees. I always like to err on the side of grace. Um, Personally, I'd rather get to heaven and Jesus be like, yo, you were a little too gracious and you were, you were too gracious in those situations. Um, Not to say that I think it's okay to like, yeah, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. I'm just saying I would rather err on the side of grace than to be not gracious enough. And I think I've struggled with that. It's a tension that we will always have as Christians because we are human and we are full of flesh and we're full of selfishness and sin even. So we're going to handle these things not perfectly, but I would look in the Bible and start there of how to love people, but also give them truth. I love that you're asking that question, though, because it's an important, I think it's a really important thing to at least somewhat understand as a Christ follower, because those conversations will come up. You will have them, and it will be daunting if you're not prepared. Okay, next question. Can you do an episode on sexual purity? Why does it matter? Is it realistic? What does God say about sex before marriage? Okay. Um, I love this question. I definitely have a lot to say here. Um, so they were asking if I could do a, a whole episode on sexual purity. Maybe. I might do I might do a whole episode. I'm not sure. I do just want a disclaimer on the front end before I really answer this question. Um, so I actually saved myself for marriage. And, um, 
I saved my virginity for marriage. There were other things I didn't save for marriage, and I will go into that uh, as we talk about this more. And I don't want to divulge too much and make it inappropriate because that's not the goal of this podcast. But I do want to be real and honest because that is the whole point of this podcast is to be honest with you all. Um, just to give all of us a break from the sugar-coated mess. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this one. And also, I'm not the poster child for purity. And I'm not sitting on my high horse saying any of this. I just want to, I really want to be careful how I answer this because I don't want anyone that maybe has crossed those lines that, that maybe is, you know, has not prioritized their sexual purity. I don't want you to feel any shame or condemnation from me because that's not of the Lord. Um, conviction is real. And, and maybe this will inspire you to, to look into changing these things about your lifestyle. So the, the first part of this question is, why does it matter? Why does sexual purity matter? Um, simple answer is, it matters because the Bible says it matters. But I think even more practically and realistically, it matters because it affects not only your physical body, it affects your mental state. And there's so many people that I've talked to about this that they disagree with that. They don't think, they, they're like, I know I can separate it. I'm like a man. Because typically I talk to women about this um, just to get their opinion and just to kind of see, like, you know, their experience with purity culture and all this stuff. But I ask them, and and some of them are like, not, oh, most of them aren't Christians um, that I talk to about it, but they're like, no, I can differentiate it. I can differentiate it. And I don't, I don't feel an attachment to them. And, you know, it's hard to argue with that because I, I did not have sex before I was married. But I definitely crossed so many lines with people before I got married. And, um... It it did affect my mental state. It affected everything, honestly, about my life. And I'm going to be real. Um, I remember when I, when I first started, um, like, partying and stuff. And I was, at this point, though, I was 17. And I, I had a boyfriend at the time. And I ended up getting so drunk and just oh my god I was I was literally like I could go into a whole conversation about this but I was so lost and um I actually ended up kissing someone at this party and I don't know what you're thinking like oh we're gonna it's a kiss like that's not what we're talking about well I think I think in a way we are because at that moment I felt this overwhelming shame and despair. Uh, the moment I realized that I, what I did it was actually the next day when I kind of came to and realized what happened. And I've carried that shame and guilt and 
all of that for, I mean, I still struggle with carrying that to this day. And although, yes, like, I, I also crossed other lines, like, with boyfriends and stuff like that, that I it was wrong. And, but this specific situation, I think, did so much more damage to me because I, I hurt someone else. I, I blew up my life all because of this selfish desire that I had. And I think that all of this, like any kind of purity, but especially sexual purity, it matters because it it affects you. It affects the trajectory of your life. And if you think it doesn't, you're fooled. And specifically with this, it, I mean, this moment, although it was just a kiss, like it led, like, it led to so many different decisions that I made and then I just stopped caring. I stopped caring about who I hurt. I stopped caring about my purity. I stopped caring about all this stuff. And gosh, like I was so, I, like looking back, I was so lost. I was so confused and fooled. Because um, although I, I kept my virginity, there were so many other things I gave away. And there's so much of my purity that was gone. And I think that, you know, the church has not handled this conversation the best in the past. I don't think that men should have this conversation with women, um, with young girls. I don't think that, that that should be a conversation. I don't think the conversation should just happen with one gender in the church. Um, in a perfect world we would, you know, we would talk to boys and girls about, you know, modesty. we talk to them about what that means, where it comes from. Uh, we wouldn't just talk to girls about it because that is absolutely detrimental to a young woman. And if you're a young woman, you probably agree with me. And if you're a dude listening to this and you're probably like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Well, you're a guy. You don't maybe understand... Um, what I mean by that, but I think that women in the church, we've got to be honest, a little more honest with things that we've gone through. Um, and it's not to glorify our sin and like the, the things that we used to do, but it's to bring light to it and to say, Hey, I went through this. Here's what happened. I don't want you to go through this because this is what will happen to you. But instead, we have like these weird, like, it's almost like we tiptoe around the subject of, of sexual purity. And it's like, oh, well, you're, you're not having just sex, so that's fine. Everything else is, is okay. Not to say that we're saying that, but we're not having conversations about it. We're not talking about the other kinds of sex that these kids are having. And it's scary and because I remember growing up, no one talked to me about it. Really, I, I was just told sex is bad. Do not have sex. It will hurt. Don't do it. And that's really why I didn't do it. Uh, I think deep down I had this desire to save that for my husband. But as I became a Christian, like that desire definitely like grew. But yeah, so I'm I'm digressing a little bit. I'm sorry. 
this is a very like heavy topic and but it's so important and I just want to make sure I say everything that I want to say here it matters because it affects your life the next portion though is is it realistic is it realistic to remain sexually pure I definitely think it's realistic to not have sex before marriage um I can sit here and say that because I did it I was you know put in a lot of situations where I could have it wasn't a situation where I just sat at home every day and like did not ever have any interactions with the opposite sex definitely did um but I knew um especially once I was a Christian I definitely think it made it more realistic of I want to be pure I want I want this for my for my future self I don't you know I don't want to on my wedding night, like, not have this to give away, um, because it, it was special to me, it was important to me, I made a very big deal about it, especially as I got older, and then eventually got married, but I think all of it's realistic, I mean, I know of people that, that got married, and, and both of them, like, both those people, they, they had not done anything with other, other person, other than, like, kiss them, and I, I think that that's, admirable I think that's the goal and I think for so long we have just glorified marriage and we've glorified it because you get to have guilt-free sex and I just think that that's a really dangerous thing to say because you're almost painting this picture that you should just get married because you want to have sex and I think it gives sex a little bit too much power over your life. Um, sex should not drive your decisions. Um, it should be your walk with the Lord. It should be what you feel like the Lord is telling you to do. Um, you shouldn't let sex and the desire to have sex make you make a decision. Although one of the the benefits and, and blessings of marriage is sex. And that is that is what God created it for. So I'm not saying that, you know, it's bad. But maybe we shouldn't glorify it so much. Because then it just creates a lot of confusion, especially for young people. The culture that the church has made sex to be is either it's it's so bad you know you're you're preached at like it's so bad it's so bad it's so bad don't do it don't do it until marriage don't do it to marriage and then it's like now you're at the age where you can start getting married it's like you better get married you better get married it's like sex is so important or something but yet we don't talk about it enough it's just so confusing it doesn't it doesn't make sense but yes I think it's realistic it's very realistic to remain sexually pure. Because it's it's your decision. Realistic for you to say no. To situations. And I think. It's so important. Gosh it's so important. To keep yourself pure. You keep yourself pure in, in a lot of things. Not just sex guys. Like. If you're, if you're a young person listening to this. 
I know that there's so many voices telling you, like, don't have sex, don't do drugs, don't drink alcohol. We're not saying these things because we want you to have a lifeless experience here on earth. That we want you to be miserable, that we want you to not ever have fun, not ever let loose. And that is not why. It's because so much evil creeps itself into these things. The things that God intended for good, um, when he first created it, the enemy, when, you know, when man fell, when Adam and Eve sinned, it changed everything. And sex is one of those things that it changed. And I'm going to be real. Sexual purity is not just you with another person, but it's also porn. Okay? That the porn industry has run rampant, especially in my generation. We are, you know, the generation that got the internet. And oh my goodness, this idea that just boys struggle with this is ridiculous. I struggled with it when I was young for a long time. And I was so scared to ever say anything. And honestly, this might be the first time I'm like saying it publicly, which is fine because I, you know, I've definitely... I've overcome that through the Lord, through accountability. But it's not just guys that, that experience it. And we, I just really wish we would stop putting a gender with each idea of sexual purity. We Everyone needs to be taught about this. It needs to be shown what the Word says about it. If, if these kids, like they're Christians, they're in church... We need to talk to him about it. We need, and as parents, y'all have to talk to your kids about this. And not in just a way that's, hey, don't have sex. Sex is bad. Well, why is it bad? Uh, I don't know. It's just bad. Because the Bible says it's bad. Well, why does the Bible say it's bad? I thought God created it. Why is it bad? You know, you've got you've to have these answers. You've got to know how to have these conversations with your kids. Because I'm telling you, if you're not having the conversations with them, they're probably watching porn. They're probably, they're doing a lot of stuff. They're watching movies and things that you have no idea about. Because these kids have so much access to stuff now that you might think you're doing all that you can. But, I mean, I'm sorry, you got to do a little more. You've got you've to gotta have that open communication with your child. Or else they're going to fall into the sin and then be shamed by the enemy and feel trapped. And that's, that's how he gets us in these cycles. So again, this is a heavy topic. I I hope I'm conveying everything I'm trying to say through this. Um, The next part of this question though, is what does God say about sex before marriage? So it says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18, it says, Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. So obviously there's a lot in the Bible about sexual purity, sexual immorality, and honestly... I could really probably do a whole episode on this. Um, Although I don't like typically do whole episodes on one topic, 
Uh, if you guys want that, I can definitely do that. But that's just one section of scripture where I think it's pretty clear. It's, I mean, it literally says, is a sin against your own body. Like that, for some reason, those words just really like resonate with me. So, sexual purity, it matters because it affects you. It affects you mentally, physically, spiritually. And it's realistic. It's still realistic to to remain sexually pure. But just like anything I've talked about, you've got to have that desire for yourself. And you have to have accountability in your life. If you're in a relationship, I know it's difficult. And, and I don't want to seem like I'm over here saying it's easy and that, you know, this, that, and the other. Because I failed at this. I failed at remaining, like, solely, like, sexually pure. There were things that I was successful at, but there were things that I I just absolutely failed at. And I don't want to sit here and on my high horse because that is not my approach. I'm just saying that if you have that desire in your life, you're a Christ follower, you have this desire, please don't make the mistakes that I've made. Have the accountability in your life. Have, have leaders in your life that, that you can go to if you mess up. And know, again, like back to the other question, like someone that gives you love and truth. Because that's the best combination, I think, for topics like this. So I hope I answered this question. I hope I did it justice. But if I didn't, y'all let me know and I will definitely um, elaborate more. But I'm going to move on. I have three more questions left. Um, four more questions, sorry. So it says, talk about marriage in ministry. So this is definitely also a, a broad question. I think ministry in itself is so rewarding and so beautiful, but yet incredibly challenging, just like marriage. Um, marriage is beautiful. It is, is crafted by God. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever experienced, but yet it is also one of the most challenging things I've ever experienced. So, you know, Ty and I, we are both, uh, we're, we're married to each other and we are also in ministry and we're doing ministry literally side by side. And although I think a lot of people might look at that and be like, wow, that is just so incredible. It is incredible, but it's also incredibly challenging because if any of you that are listening to this are married, you know that especially if you if your parents weren't like married and in ministry together too or you didn't really have an example of what it should look like or could look like you can start to feel very alone in it um they really start to overlap into each other and i'm a firm believer that your marriage is more important than your ministry um because because of lots of reasons I can go into at a later date. But a lot of times we, we've seen in the past that people will get into ministry and 
they'll put that above their marriage. They'll put it above their family, you know, their their children, their their wife, their spouse, whatever. Um, and I I think that that's a huge challenge in it is that tension of, okay, ministry is is something I'm called to. It's important to me. It's fulfilling. It's you know all these things. It's it's so important, but my marriage, I'm called to it. It is extremely important. And it's, you know, it also has, you know, lasting effects. (laughs) So it's, I'd say, first off, it's challenging um, to deal with that tension. But having people in your life, having leaders in your life that you can trust, that can come alongside you, that understand and that you can be honest with, like you and your your spouse can be honest with. I think that's a game changer. Um, that way you, you don't feel alone. You don't feel like you're trapped. You don't feel like you're, you know, all the things that you might feel. I've felt these things before. Um, but it's also, it's a huge blessing, honestly, getting to work with him, getting to you know, go to work together. We we have this understanding for the struggles that each other faces in our in our workplace, in our, you know, our career, our calling. Um, but we also get to experience the like awesome things together as well. We, you know, we do this thing at at youth every once in a while called our student testimony night, and we have one coming up tomorrow. Well, when you guys listen to it, it'll be tonight. Um, and just seeing these kids share their testimony and just share like what God's doing in their life, like getting to to experience that with Ty is just, it's huge. It's amazing. It's like the most fulfilling thing because you're you're getting to be a small piece in this child's walk with the Lord. And that's just, it's amazing. But I think there's a lot of things I can maybe talk about um, that just aren't coming to my head right now, but I will definitely keep this question in mind for future um, episodes. And if you guys want to hear more about marriage and ministry, maybe some specific things, just let me know and I will definitely answer your questions. We'll move on. So it says, trying not to wish away my time in college and rush into life too fast but I'm struggling with staying in the moment and not stressing about my career in the future and getting married. Basically, I'm overthinking when I think I should get married slash engaged. Any advice or tips? Okay, so I'm going to break this down. Um, so you're struggling with staying in the moment and not stressing about your, your future, really. Um, been there. The other part, basically overthinking when I think I should get married slash engaged. Any advice or tips? So, I feel like once you hit a certain point in life, society (laughs) and the church, just everyone, kind of puts this pressure on you to get married. And don't get me wrong, marriage is incredible and it's, I believe it's, one of the best things that God gives us. But only if it's with the right person. <laughs> only if it's something that 
you ultimately believe God is, is telling you, like, this is what you should do now. This is your next step. I think any time that we are overthinking, it's because we're starting to not trust God's plan. We're starting to try to take control of our lives. We're trying to um, kind of override God. And that never works out. So we just shouldn't do that. So I think, simply put, take a minute, breathe, and also in these moments where you start to feel overwhelmed and maybe you have weeks where you feel overwhelmed, pray to the Lord. Read His Word. Like, I remember I was, you know, Ty and I both, we were in school of ministry and we actually, like, weren't um, dating Really, we took a break to figure out, like, what does our future look like together? Are we are we supposed to get married? Like, is this, is this our next step? And I just remember when I took that time, that intentional time, to pray and seek the Lord. And not only was I just trying to seek Him for one answer, I was just seeking Him in general in His heart. And I just remember feeling the most peace and clarity about Ty, about this is my husband. This man, he's my husband. I know he is. And the Lord will confirm that and the Lord will speak to him. And he did because Ty was really on the fence too. He's like, oh gosh, I don't know. Like this is, it's a big decision to make. And you shouldn't take it lightly and you shouldn't rush into it. But you also can't overthink yourself into a decision either. That is just as dangerous because sometimes, most of the time, our mind is so easily confused and fooled and you just have to really guard your mind and guard your heart when you're trying to make decisions about your future. You do. You just have to be patient and trust the Lord. And it's like, those are so cliche and everyone says that. But there's a reason everyone says it. It's because it's the truth. You can't rush your life. You cannot rush into a career. You cannot rush into a marriage. Those are the worst things you can do for yourself because you will pay the price later on. Instead of waiting it out and being patient and seeking the Lord, if you rush into something, well, you're paying that price later on. And it's not, it's not fun. So don't do that. So my advice to you is just that. Pray, seek the Lord, and wait. If you don't hear an answer, just go back to the last thing that you know he called you to do. And that he'll, when it's time for you to do something else, it's time for you to, to get married, it's time for you to, you know, move forward, do so. Next question. Okay, um, why is worship important? I like this question. I mean, I love all these questions, but this question. So I actually was on a podcast, um, our young adults podcast called You Belong, and I talk all about worship in it. It was back from, I think it was in April, March, April, I don't remember but you can go back and listen to it there, and I talk way more in depth about it. But I, one thing that I said on that podcast is, you know, worship is important because 
uh, we were created to bring God glory. That is literally what we're on this earth to do. So in worship in general, like not just singing songs and being in like a corporate setting, um, but the way we live our lives is worship. It's living your life as a sacrifice. It's following the Lord in such a way that it's worshipful. It's, you know, every every opportunity you get to worship the Lord, you do. And whatever the way that looks like in each situation. So it's important because it's what we're created to do. Um, but if you want more detail about that, I would encourage you to go listen to that episode. Or you can ask me a more detailed question and I will definitely answer it. Okay, so this is the last question. Um, Before I answer, I just want to say thank you so much, everyone, for listening this far and for all these questions. For real, this is, I love this. This is literally why I made this podcast. I love it so much. Um, Okay, here's the last question. Do I really need to go to church or can I still follow Jesus without going to church? Okay. Um... I'm going to answer the last part of this question first. Can I still follow Jesus without going to church? I think technically yes. But I don't know why you wouldn't. I think that... (laughs) I understand that some people don't enjoy... Being around other people, maybe. Um, But really at the same time, like, I mean, I go to a bigger church, and I understand that's not everyone's cup of tea, but do you know how many churches there are? And you, you mean to tell me you can't find one that you enjoy going to? Because it's not about the the building, per se, but it's the community of people. Because... I feel like I've said it a thousand times in this podcast already, but having accountability in your life is so important. It's so important because if we don't have that, then we're, then what are we doing? I mean, yes, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Lord with us. And, you know, at the end of the day, that really is all we need. But it's, it's almost like we're miss, you're going to miss out on this blessing that the church is supposed to be not saying that it always is. I'm not saying that it's perfect. But I would say you need to go to church to have that community of people that when your life is in shambles and when maybe you're wanting to run from your relationship with God, that there are people in your corner that will love you through that, that will be honest with you, that will hold you accountable, um, that will support you through your life. I mean, I can't imagine not having my my church friends, my, my really just my friends, like everyone I know, I feel like is I go to church with. That's what kind of happens when you work in a church, but I couldn't imagine my life without those people because they I don't really have to question their intentions or I don't have to question if they love Jesus because I I worship with them. I I, I do life with them. It's Again, it's not always perfect, but it's it's a blessing from the Lord. And I just don't know why we would intentionally miss out on something like that. 
But I don't think going to church, going to church is not what saves us. It's what Jesus did on the cross. So if you're following him, you know, yes, your salvation is is there. But I do think that it, not going to, to a church to be with the body of Christ, you're intentionally uh, stifling a blessing from the Lord. You're stifling a, something that I think we are supposed to do. So I hope that 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 answer is maybe what you were looking for or maybe not. But I think it's difficult because, again, maybe this conversation hasn't always been handled well, but a lot of people will say that they have different versions of church. And I just think that we have to have community. We were created for community. We need people in our lives, the tangible people that will help us, that will support us. Because although God is perfect, we are not. And I think we, like I said before, a lot of times people, when they're starting to question their faith, they're starting to question um, God, they're, they've gone through something really difficult and it's they're blaming it on God. They start to inch away from the church because I think they know subconsciously that that these people will probably tell them the truth and rein them back in and like really help them like understand that you know the truth about the situation. But yeah, when we're when we isolate ourselves, it's open door for the enemy to attack us. It's open door for him to confuse us and. That's all he wants is to destroy us. So I know that the church hasn't been perfect. And I know there's a lot of deconstruction happening. And I know there's there's so many churches that have done it wrong. And because we're full of people and people are messed up. We are messed up. We're full of sin. But my goodness, we need that connection and community. You can find somewhere that, that feeds your your soul in that way so these questions were amazing this week uh definitely feel like I got a little bit more passionate about some of them so uh, which I love but not everyone loves that um that's the one caveat to to not knowing the the questions beforehand is just really um having to take a minute to answer them and to <laughs> uh, hopefully not say the wrong thing. But uh, there, I know y'all give me grace, so I appreciate it. But I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for submitting your questions. This has been an amazing, amazing episode, I feel like. Just I've loved these questions. Please submit your questions to me. I, I post them every week. I try to post a link for you guys that is super easy for you. But um, I appreciate your support. I appreciate you listening. And I hope you all have a wonderful day. I will see you next week.